Matthew chapter 10, verse 15, which, well, that's, I had it all set up to be there, and then I went away from it. Okay. Uh, to understand, you can't just jump into 15. Uh, 14 says, whoever, this, okay. Uh, a little background, just so we remember. Jesus is sending his 12 out to do his ministry. Their ministry, which is going to be their ministry, but to do the same things he's been doing. He's basically saying, go be me. Uh, do what I do. Uh, do it the way I do it. And he gives them specific instructions. And we sort of got a whole chapter devoted to these instructions. And it's really interesting what all he says. Um, he tells them you know, where they should stay, what they should do, what they should preach. And then he says, well, whoever does not receive you, nor heed your words, the message. Because... Remember, they're not just showing up with the message. He's telling them to go and do miracles. So Jesus expects a response from the miracles. He expects some sort of faith, you know, some sort of a, well, let's listen to what these guys have to say because they just healed somebody, which is, that's the whole point of the miracles. Uh, it says, or heed your words, as you go out of that house or city, either one, so if you remember, they talked about how to stay in a house. Uh, well, if that house is problematic for you, it says it says shake the dust off your feet, and that's what I said. And my, you know, there, that has a lot of meanings, but for me, it says I'm leaving it behind. You know, I'm not taking any of this with me. I'm going on the next one, and that leaves brings us up to 15. Then it gets dramatic. Uh, he says, you know, shake the dust off your feet, and then he says, truly I say to you. Uh, which means this is real, it's important, pay attention. It will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Whoa. Um, we all know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. We also have a fairly good uh, a set of scripture telling us how bad it was that God couldn't find ten people in that giant city who were righteous, not ten, um, went down for himself to make sure before he bloated up, and uh, he bloated up. But he says this, just for the people who do not accept the gospel they bring, they don't accept, they don't accept the gospel, they don't accept the miracles, even though they saw them. <coughs> Once again, Sodom and Gomorrah uses an example in teaching. See, Never forget that the whole purpose of Sodom and Gomorrah is to be an example. There were a whole lot of wicked towns. There were a whole lot of uh, evil g going on in Palestine. Uh, these were made an example for a purpose. Because five times in the New Testament, they're used as an example. I mean, that's how many times they come up. Uh, here, Matthew 11:23, Romans 9:29, Jude 7, and 2 Peter 2:6. <coughs> Jeremiah and Isaiah both used it, I mean, repeatedly. Uh, this is a price for rejection of grace. The other was, Sodom and Gomorrah were blowed up because they were acting uh, unrighteously. These towns will fare worse than them because they reject grace. Uh, Sodom was not offered the opportunity for grace, which I'm thinking is why. Uh, the judgment will be harsher. They didn't hear the message of the kingdom. And they didn't have the opportunity of repentance. If you remember Nineveh, 
and uh, Jonah. Uh, they were desperately wicked, but God sent Jonah to go preach to them. And they repented. And they didn't get blowed up. Well, we have no nothing telling us that Sodom and Gomorrah had that opportunity. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, in my opinion, what happened to them happened to be an example for everyone throughout history. Second uh, Peter two six, Paul writes. Uh, Peter writes this, and if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example. Well, my idea. This scripture sort of has a little more punch than it's Jeff's idea. Uh, to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter. Uh, Peter calls it, the whole purpose was an example. Isaiah 3, 8-9, For Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen because of their speech. Their actions are against the Lord to rebel against his glorious presence. The expression of their faces bear witness against them. And they display their sins like Sodom. Uh, another way to put that is they're proud of themselves. They're proud of their uh, sin. Uh, they do not even conceal it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. Here's uh, Isaiah using Sodom and Gomorrah as an example for uh, Judah. And this is the southern kingdom, uh, Jerusalem and Judah. And he's saying, trouble's coming. Uh, you're just as bad you're, as they were. We focus on the time God destroyed blatant evil and we tend to forget all the times he did not. Uh, the times when he, when he found ten righteous people. We don't hear of those things, but man, they exist all... all we are surrounded by God's grace. Uh, you know, we wake up to another sunrise because of God's grace. Because God can surely be vengeful. But he has always been slow to anger he says it about himself continually he said you guys don't get it you know you look at sodom and gomorrah and you see that and you say wow look at god he's like throwing lightning bolts think of all the lightning bolts that never got thrown uh all the times when it would have been justified but he chose not to and then after he says that after he says uh how bad some of these could be you know if they reject you they're going to face judgment like sodom and gomorrah and then he says this to them Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So, be shrewd as serpent and innocent as doves. Uh, how do we deal with the world? Well, there it is. Be shrewd as serpent and innocent as doves. It doesn't, every translation says something different. Does anybody have anything different than shrewd as serpent and as innocent as doves? Yeah, usually it's, yeah. It says wise as serpent, innocent as doves. It's a lot of different things. But the whole point is be smart and be loving. Be kind. Uh, outside of the church, the wolves prowl. And, well, I mean, that's... Uh, assume that. Assume that. Inside the church, when the wolves prowl, there's, you know, First, Second Peter, Jude, are written for inside the church. Make no mistake, the world is a hostile environment for sheep. Uh, 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 these next couple of verses, I want you to stop and think about this. Jesus gathers his twelve together and says, "Hey, I'm going to send you out to minister. I'm going to you're, you're going to go do miracles. I'm giving you the. You don't need to take anything with you. You're going to be taken care of. 
you're going to be doing miracles, you know, you're going to be preaching my message, and <laughs> this litany, this list of things that comes up that goes, ooh, I'm assuming that when he's done telling them how the venture's going to go and what they're going to face, that the excitement for the venture has dwindled a bit. So he starts out by telling them, there's dangerous people out there. They're a danger to you. Uh, it's a hostile environment. Handle this by being wise and sin-free, by being smart and being gentle. Don't fight wolves with teeth. Uh, they are mean and nasty. Do not be mean and nasty in return. Do not fight fire with fire. Several translations use harmless instead of innocent, which, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the actual word is uh, akarios, which means unmixed, with absence of foreign mixture. In other words, it's pure. Uh, is used metaphorically in the New Testament of what is uh, godless, sincere, harmless, because it's pure. There's no evil in there. The Greeks used that word uh, for wine that was pure, unmixed with water, that hasn't been cut. Or a, a metal that's a pure metal that doesn't have an alloy in it. Then he says, but beware of men, and they will hand, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. So, now I'm assuming that by now, the uh, excitement of this uh, missionary journey out into Israel is wearing low, because he says there's wolves. Then he says, you should beware. Beware means look, be on the lookout. Uh, I don't use the word worry, but I'll just use the word, uh, you should be looking around. But, this is an important verse because it goes back to what Jesus said when he told them, don't go to the Jews, I mean, uh, only go to the Jews, don't, don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans. This one matters because here he says, a few verses later, they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. Uh, why say beware of something that's going to happen for the sake of the kingdom? Perhaps Jesus is saying, don't trust them. Know their agenda up front. Know what you're dealing with. This is part of being wise. Uh, they're not on your side. Or simply a heads up saying, watch for this. Remember, it is so when it happens, so you won't be taken by surprise and your faith become challenged. Uh, do you see uh, what is happening to me, Lord? Basically, what he's telling them is, when this happens, don't get all upset. I've already told you it's going to happen. So you're not worrying, am I doing the right thing? Did I, go, did I say the things God sent me to send? Uh, Lord, where are you? Why aren't you with me? You know, Is my ministry failing because these things are happening? Jesus is saying, no, I'm telling you up front, these things are going to happen. You'll be ready for them. This almost seems like it's a supervised trial run for what they're going to be doing Absolutely. down the road. Absolutely. Everything he says here applies throughout their lives and their mission. Because these are the guys who are speaking the word of God. There are very few people on this planet who's ever done that. They are it. These are the guys who wrote the book. Before the Bible comes, they're it. You know, when they give a message, it's God speaking. We don't really say that about anybody else. It reminds me also of the verse that says, uh, be above reproach so that nobody can speak any ill against Absolutely. you. Um, Absolutely. How, how do you fight such hostility? By being pure. Uh, that doesn't mean accusations won't come. It means they won't stick. 
remember this is the talk Jesus is giving to disciples as he sends out into the world to preach the gospel. This comes with the gospel. And the point is, this becomes their life. And a little bit later, he sends a whole bunch of disciples out. This He starts here, and then he sends out more. So it's, okay. These 12 are specific. I, I went through this before, the difference between an apostle and a disciple and all those things. Um, but that we go out and do what these guys did, but without the miracles and without us speaking God's word directly to people, what do we speak? Scripture. But yet we'll still face the same things. Beware. Uh, the, the Greek word means to take heed. Uh, give heed is said to priests who give attendance at the altar to beware. In other words, pay great attention. It suggests a devotion to, of thought and an effort of a thing. In other words, pay attention. Beware is a heads up. Look for it. Verse 18. And this is the one. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Now, that really matters because in verse 5 he said, "Go only, you go only to the Jews and to the Samaritans. Uh, as noted, just before this Jesus told them not to go to the Gentiles, here he's telling them the Gentiles will bring you to them. You don't have to go look for it. You do what I send you to do. It, but it's also a heads up. Well, Jesus told us only to go to the Jews. So he's telling them when the Gentiles do grab you and bring you in, witness to them. Uh, which is kind of neat. Be a, as a testimony to them. Be a testimony. After he told them, don't go to them. But if they grab you and bring you to them, set the message loose. The gospel goes to everyone after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, of course. But here it's happening even before that. And this will happen their entire lives. Like you said, Frank, this isn't just for this trip, this little venture out into Judea. You know, I mean, well, I guess they're up north at this time. You know, out into Israel, uh, up into the uh, northern kingdom. Uh, persecution is what would bring them before the rulers and the Gentiles. The official persecution of the church... Uh, beyond the see, there's two great persecutions. There's the Jewish persecution, uh, the Jews that uh, really don't like Christianity because Christianity uh, offends them. Uh, the whole idea of a triune God for them is almost unacceptable. Um, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God is almost unacceptable for them. Um, so they were persecuted by the Jews, just like Jesus was. Uh, like uh, uh, Stephen was when he was stoned and Paul was standing there. That was Jewish persecution. But understand that Jesus is giving them a heads up well beyond the Jews. This goes well beyond this trip. This is talking about being brought to the Gentiles, and that is the 67 AD persecution that began under Nero. And that was wicked stuff. You know, that that's just, uh, yeah, everything he said real wolves, you know, worldwide. But through that persecution, the kingdom of God grew. It says, but when? <laughs> These guys still haven't left. They're still getting ready to go on their trip. And so far, this has been the news they're getting. This is what's going to happen on your little trip. But when they hand you over, in other words, not if, uh, don't worry, 
about how or what you will say, for it will be given to you in that hour what you are to say. In other words, you're going to have to have some faith. I'm not going to give you a treatise of uh, an idea of a, a pamphlet on how to handle persecution. When you need it, you'll have it. Is exactly what he's telling them. In that a hour, freedom in that. Yes, there is. You're not having. They were not having to rely on themselves, but yep. on the contrary, it's trust in what I will do for you. If you trust Jesus Christ, if you believe everything He's saying, if you have the faith, you'll have what you need. This will work. There's nothing He said here that is worrisome, <laughs> but He tells them, "Don't worry." <laughs> have some faith is what he's saying when they hand you over says it's going to happen this is Jesus giving his own a heads up so that when it happens they will know once again that it was God uh, he's not only aware of it he sent it to you you're in it because he wants you there so you don't need to question your faith you don't need to question your call you don't need to if you think of the upper room discourse in John that is pretty much a chapters, uh, like three or four chapters of just, I'm giving you a heads up. Jesus actually uses the words, I'm telling you this so that you will know. When it happens, your faith won't crumble. So if I, if I told you it's going to happen, when it happens, you know it was me. You won't be going, oh my God, what's happening? Where are you, God? Why did you leave me? I never left you. I told you this was going to happen. This is part of the, part of the plan. Um, you will know that God is not only aware of it, he's using it to spread the gospel. That This is his plan. It's like being a Navy SEAL. You go through all this training, and you go through this training to do what? To do really hard stuff. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're hand-picked, and they're sent, and they go through this really tough training. They spend, you know, these guys spent three and a half years with Jesus because the mission they have is really really hard and a lot of them are going to die but they know going that's the mission and they know why they're going on the mission and they know what the mission will do these are the navy seals of heaven for it is not you who speak but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you this is before pentecost this is before the spirit falls on everybody what he's telling them, this is really, that's a really big sentence, by the way. Uh, that's not true of everybody. Uh, you can't really, not everybody can claim this. Uh, this was for them. They were speaking scripture. They were writing it, and they're going to go out and speak it. Everything they say, when it comes time to witness, will be absolute truth. A mention of the coming indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God isn't going to send you out on a mission somewhere and then not have your back. We don't lead people to Christ. The Holy Spirit does. This is especially true of the Twelve. They are a walking, talking word of God before it became codified in Scripture. They are it. There is no New Testament they can take with them and say, this is what the New Testament says. They're preaching the New Testament. It's happening as they talk. God gives us his word to speak through the Bible. See, we have the Holy Spirit in us to interpret God's word and to preach God's words, to have it come alive to us, to have the word speak to us so we could speak it to others. They didn't have that. That was direct from God to them to the people. If I witnessed anybody, I witnessed scripture. 
Um, of course the Lord's involved. The Lord knows what needs to be said and which one. That's his business. And once again, no matter who you are, it's the Holy Spirit that leads people to the Lord. But it's done in a little different way. The word of the Lord unleashed has a powerful impact on the world, as we will see in the next verse. Okay, 21. This is still their wonderful first mission trip. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You're, you're going to go out, do miracles, preach my message, and this is what's going to happen. Wow. Uh, we can see how such a thing still plays out when a challenging truth comes into uh, a society of accepted lies. Where theology is built around lies and truth shows up. The lies don't like it. Uh, this still plays out a bit. Um, we've had our time. We've had hundreds of years more time to work this out than the Muslims have. But the Muslims, in some situations, you read, they're still doing this. They're still killing their own children because they didn't do this, or you know, they're stoning them. They're, you know, uh, we cannot plead innocence in this. I mean, we weren't a whole lot different at one point in time. People who didn't do things the way we wanted it done, we killed them. Uh, the Jews did the same thing to each other back then. Remember what I said, there was a time when uh, the Jews were killing the Jews before the Romans really got on the bandwagon. Um, Paul hunted Christians and put them to death. Catholic and Protestants killed each other for the glory of God. Um, all because the truth came. Um, it's not that the truth is wrong, it's that the lies are wicked. And the lies do not want to give up their ground. They don't want to give up their power, which is our enemy. Then he says, you will be hated. <laughs> wow. You're causing discourse. Uh, you're going to be hated. Uh, all because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end that will be saved. The boy, that that's all through Revelations, by the way. God uses stress to make us move to spread the gospel. Persecution is what spread the gospel throughout the world. Uh, people fled. Uh, well, you realize that almost all Christians in this world at one time were in Israel. What got them out of there, other than people being called and going, but what pushed a lot of the, what we will call people who weren't called to evangelize, just people who lived the life, uh, was persecution. It sent them everywhere. Uh, the world isn't abusing Christians, rather... God is using the world's tendencies to abuse for his purposes. So what he's saying is the world isn't winning. When it happens, it doesn't mean you're losing. It means you're winning. And it's a tough, this is, honestly, it is only through surrender that we win. Uh, what is victory in the Christian king, in the kingdom of God is something totally different than what the world says. He's getting them ready for it. Uh, remember, this is their first little mission and man, it's, wow. But, whenever they persecute you in one city, flee, <laughs> run away to the next. And this is making my point of how persecution spreads the gospel. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Jesus continues his pregame inspiration speech to his team before they go on the field. He's telling them they're going to run all over you. You won't be able to stop them. 
you're going to get carried off the field with injuries and pain. When you are, the people are going to boo you and throw stuff at you. Witnessing in Israel will be like playing against the home team in Philadelphia. They're the guys who booed Santa Claus and threw snowballs at him. But, you win. You win. That's what he's saying. The kingdom wins. Um, he's saying, believe me. Trust me. Have some faith. He's given him three and a half years of miracles and teaching to back that up. He doesn't just pluck somebody off the street and say, go do these things and face these horrible things. He got them ready for it. Then he says, just a little something, just so they understand why it's happening and how it's going. A disciple is not above his teacher, verse 24, or a slave above his master. Uh, basically saying, take one for the gipper, because the gipper has taken many for you. If they treat the Son of God this way, what would make you think they're going to treat you any different? This really is quite the recruitment speech, is it not? Um, I'm glad he told him this after he told him to go. Instead of, you know, he tells him this and says, now who wants to go? I'm sure it would be a little different. Uh, John, t you know, he's saying, you know, if they teach, treat me this way, they'll treat you this way. This is one of my favorite verses, John 10, 31 through 32. And Jews picked up stones again to stone him, which indicates that this isn't the first time they picked up stones to kill Jesus. Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from my father. For which one of them are you going to stone me? For all the good things I've done. I've done nothing offensive. I haven't hurt anybody. Why are you guys trying to kill me? But he's saying, if they did this to me, they're going to do it to you. Psalms 109, 3-5 They have surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without cause. In return for my love, they act as my accusers. But I am in prayer. Thus that they repaid me evil for good and hatred for love. David speaking, but also prophetic of Jesus Christ, as many Psalms are. Verse 25 Is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher? And the slave like his master. If they have been called, if they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign the members of his household? So if they're calling me the devil, what do you think they're going to do to you? Attack the messenger if you can't defeat the message, which is basically the message was sweeping through the country even now. Well, our message cannot be defeated, and we are the messengers. So assume you will be attacked. <laughs> If they did this to me, they will do it to you. That word Beelzebub is kind of neat. Uh, from Easton's, it says, The name given to Satan and found only in the New Testament, Matthew 10.25, 12.24, and 27, Mark 3.22. It's probably the same name as Beelzebub, uh, the god of Ekron, which is in the scripture, which means the lord of flies, or as others think, where do flies often gather? The lord of dung. The crap god. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, the dung god, or if you want to use another phrase. It's as um, uh, disparaging as a title as you can give someone. So if you're saying you're, power, you, you're from Beelzebub, that's, it's, yeah, that's pretty much ignorant. Uh, Jesus gives three examples of his own relationship with his own. He is our teacher, our master, and the head of the house. In that one sentence, he tells us what he is to us. And that has never changed. Teacher, master, head of the house. 
Uh, those three things add up to one thing, Lord, the word Lord. Um, and actually, I'm going to preach on that next time, on what Lord means, uh, because Scripture tells us plainly that's who he is. And uh, so that's kind of interesting. 26, after he tells us all those things, they're going to hate you, they're going to attack you. Uh, then he says, therefore, because they treated me this way, don't fear them. He says, beware, be warned, all these things. And then he says, but don't fear them. Be ready for them, but don't fear them. For there's nothing concealed that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. Basically, he's saying, they're evil, you're good, will all show up, it will all come out. Uh, Jesus tells them not to fear while telling them what hard things are coming their way. Knowing that God, knowing that God knew beforehand builds faith that this is going to ha what what happened what is going to happen is supposed to happen do not fear three times in uh, this chapter in verse 26 28 and 31 he tells them all the nasty things beware there's like three or four verses where it says beware and then there's three or four verses where it says don't fear jesus is telling them it all comes out in the judgment in the end, you will be vindicated in front of all mankind and the whole host of heaven. And they will be condemned. You cannot lose if you're obedient. No matter what's happening in your life, no matter how you're being treated, if you are living righteously, as Kevin said, what did Jesus say? Paul said, just make sure that none of you is accused for doing wrong. You know, that grace doesn't cover that. You know, there, there is no reward for you being punished for doing wrong. Uh, you, you can't say, you know, if you get a ticket for running a red light, you can't say that you're being oppressed for the gospel. No, you ran the red light. Uh, rejoice when you are persecuted for my name's sake. Don't be afraid that God left you or that you did something wrong. This is the game plan working itself out. Know that you win. Big picture. Don't fear them. Fear God. The man who fears God need fear nothing else. Isaiah 51, 7 through 8. Listen to me. You know, you who know righteousness, a people in whose heart is my law, do not fear the reproach of man, or do not dismay at their revilings. For the moth will eat them like a garment, the grub will eat them like wool, but my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation to all generations. You win. Where are we at? Let me take a peek. So we're close. Last one. Verse 27. What I tell in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim on the housetops. There was a lot of things, time and time again, where Jesus... Um, Hold them aside to talk to them. This is one of them. He's talking to them. Uh, things that he didn't say to the crowd, they were being taught for this moment. So what he's telling them is, I'm sending you out to do these things. It's going to be hard. It's going to be all these things. Don't worry. All those things I told you before when it was just us, now it's time. Now it matters. Remember all of them. What God teaches us in our private lives is not just for your own edification. If you learn something in your life, pass it on what you learn in word and deed. 
Jesus often taught them away from the public or individually. He pulled them aside. Uh, I often think of that great teaching moment between uh, John and James when they tried to call down, wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans. You know, it was them to look dudes, really, you know. But they learned something. because You know they learned something because uh, John writes the beautiful 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. You know, just beautiful. God is love. You know, that's that guy. Nobody wrote more about the love of God than John. And he's the guy who wanted to blow up the Samaritans. What he is saying here is that an expectation for you to pass it on. You've been taught, teach others. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. And uh, we have a we. The next one is another. Do not fear. I, I hope you guys are crapping. I mean, put yourself there. You've been with Jesus, who's handled every problem you've ever come across. If something comes up, he's handled. If the taxes were due, he told you go throw a line and catch a fish, and money came out. Uh, if you were in a boat and you were drowning, he walked out on the water and saved you. This is the first time he's sending you away from him. He says, hey, I'm going to give you a, a little mission. You're each of you going on a mission. And he said, here's what I want you to preach, and here's what I want you to do. And they're like, yay, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to raise the dead. You're going to heal people. You're going to cast out demons. Yay. And then he says, however, when you do these things, when you do these good things, when you heal people, when you present the gospel, here's what's going to happen to you. Um, put yourself there. There has to be a moment where there has to be 12 jaws that are dropped. like, Which is why he now finishes up with, don't fear. He gave him a lot to fear, and then he tells him, don't fear it. I'm there. You've seen me handle this. You've seen what they've done to me. You handle it the same way. I'm just not sending you out there. You know, you're ready. And what he's telling them is, you're ready. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure they would all be a little concerned. Because everything he ever said that was true came true. Now, of course, these things happened as they went out. And I'm sure they happened on their little mission trip here. But this is the rest of their lives. Frank brought up a, a good point that I meant to bring up was... What he tells them here is the blueprint for their ministry until they die. Uh, these 12, uh, and they, they all do die. And most of them die horrifically uh, for the kingdom of God. Uh, the, the ways that tradition tells us they died is some nasty stuff. Um, every one of them. And they went out and did it anyway. They heard that uh, other ones had died, they went and did it anyway. Uh, they remembered this. They remembered, do not fear. And uh, Paul uh, wasn't even here, and he got this and he handled it. I demand to see Caesar. You know, he could have. He could have settled that whole matter. He could have said a few words, and he'd have been set free. He could have appeased them and just—I mean, not even really compromised his beliefs. Just gave him a little. You know what I mean? Just see things their way for just a little bit. Give them something to say that they won something. Wouldn't do it. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. What, what do you say? Whether I stay or go, little consequence. It is mine to serve the Lord. That's my job. So we'll pick up on verse 28 next time. Any questions, comments, criticisms? Verse 28. Let me write that down.
In verse 23, when you are persecuted, one place flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. That's an interesting one. reference to anything in particular. Um, yeah, I believe that has to do with his resurrection. Okay. Um, a lot of different things on that. Yeah. Um, it's almost its own, yeah. Uh, a lot of cult stuff has come off from that. <laughs> That's not the only time he says things like that. Right. You know, yeah. um... You also got to ask yourself, is he done now ministering to the house of Israel? Is it still happening? Is he still sending his people out to the house of Israel? And I would say yes. So whether you believe it to be the resurrection or his return. And see, because he said things like this, that's why Revelations is such a neat book. Because a lot of people thought that was going to happen. They thought he was coming back right then and there. Right. And that's what a lot of the book of Revelation is addressing. Because these people, they stopped living. I mean, they were like, well, if he's coming back, it was like hell bop comet stuff, you know. Well, if he's coming back, then why are we working? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that, you know? Um, Jesus is coming back. Um after he clearly said, no one knows when I'm coming back. And if anyone tells you they know, don't listen to them. You know they're wrong. <laughs> you know, whatever they, they say it is, you know it ain't that. So, it, yeah, it's interesting. It is. Um, a lot of different thoughts on it. Me personally, uh, I tend to see it as him coming back from the dead. Uh, but I could also easily see it being the house of Israel as a whole. All the people who got... God never loses his commitment to them because he made it that simple. I made a commitment, which should help all of us a whole lot. So is this a statement saying pretty much you're not going to finish going through the house of Israel? Isn't that that's one way of looking at it? You're never going to be done. It's a, it it is a historically long mission that I'm sending you out on. The mission. Well, you could look at it this way: the mission that I'm sending you out on, which they're sending, he's in, it's not going to end until I come back. You could turn it around and say the mission won't end until I come back. Then you could stop doing that. <laughs> I got it now. <laughs> you know, you're no longer the light. You don't. You've done your job. You were the light. Now the light is shining. You know, like it should. So, any other questions or anything? Wow, we took the battery all the way down. Look at that. Well, God bless all. Uh, let's say a prayer and uh, we'll head on our way. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to learn your word. Uh, thank you for it. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. And I thank you for these folks who just want to know it and just accept, put it into their lives. I ask, Lord, that you watch over them. You protect them and bless them. You make them strong, wise, brave, and compassionate. And you help them to glorify your name and the kingdom and what they think, do, and say. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless everybody.